This is a special presentation of the Thai Cats Audio Network. Coverage of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame classes of 2020 and 2021 induction ceremonies. What's going on, Hamilton? Welcome to the 2022 home opener edition of Tiger Cats Game Day on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. I'm Courtney Steven, as always, joined by my partner in crime, Mike Daly. Mike, this is a Hall of Fame game, not just the home opener, but they're inducting some of the greatest players and greatest builders in CFL history into the CFL Hall of Fame where mm-hmm. we're recording this here today. Do you think that that energy, that legacy, that energy of just being, you know, legendary, is that in the air? Is that going to motivate these guys tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think especially because when you look at it, you know, for the Ticats specifically with Coach O going in there, um, you know, he's going to do a great job at just making it about Calgary, making it about that game. But every player in that locker room is saying, you know what, this is Coach O's legacy night. Like you said, it's his legendary night, so we have to win this for him. And there is that little bit more emphasis. You know, you have some of the legends coming. They're going to be there. They're going to be watching. And you got to show up for those guys. So, yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, with the home opener, which is already going to have the energy buzzing, right, and then Coach O going in, and then all the legends being here, I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. Quite the atmosphere at Tim Hortons Field. 6.30 kickoff. We're going to have the Calgary Stampeders visiting to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Now, Calgary started the season 1-0 and with a win over the Alouettes, while this this. Saskatchewan Rough Riders got the best of the Ticats last week in Saskatchewan. So Hamilton's looking to rebound. Calgary's looking to get some momentum and keep things rolling this year. I think it will be a great game. Let's talk a little bit about the lineups heading into this one because mm-hmm. some key players are out of the lineup. Some things have gone shaken up. To begin with, the Ticats added one very important person to the roster. Dane Evans had to take a personal day this week because <laughs> he had a brand new baby girl. So there is another uh, player, another cheerleader, another all-star added to the roster for the Ticast. So from all of us at the Ticast Audio Network, we want to say congrats, Dane. Yeah, congrats, that, Dane. That's awesome, that's man. That's always exciting. <laughs> but on the defensive line, somebody who's a little bit bigger, uh, <laughs> Dylan Wynn is out of the lineup, and he's going to replace by Lee Autry the second. Now, Lee is a guy who got some action last year. Mm -hmm. didn't really play in the first week but he's expected to step in and fill some big shoes because Dylan Wynn is one of those anchors on the inside of that Ticats D-line a guy with great football IQ he can understand where the run play is going he works through that trash all of the bodies in Mm -hmm. that front and finds his nose to the ball very often so what kind of impact does Lee need to have so that there's not a big drop-off with the absence of Dylan Wynn? Yeah, and that's tough. I mean, you're, you'll never replace a guy like Dylan Wynn. You'll never get somebody off the street or, or Lee stepping in, you know, being on a practice roster, being from, just from camp, whatever it might be. You'll never get someone to come in like Dylan Wynn because if, for those that don't know, that can't see, Dylan Wynn messes up almost every run play that the offense has he's just that disruptive he's always active he's always moving you hear this high motor guy well whatever that next gear is for high motor i'm telling you that's what he's got and so to try to go and replace that guy replace the impact that guy can make it's really tough but lee you know last year he really came into his own he's a he's a young guy big strong can really move some bodies around there so they'll be just looking for him to do his job lee's just got to come in there do his job they they did well last week, right? And for Lee to come in and be able to just 
control his guy, control his gap. That's all they need. You have experience around you, right, with Micah Johnson, right? Mason Bennett's going to get the start on the end, yep. right? They're going to control the run, especially with Simone and Joe Vaughn and Cam uh, back at the linebacker spot. They're going to do their job, but Lee's just got to get in there, do his job. He'll get his opportunity to make plays, and, and you know how it is, man. You just got to make your plays when they come to you. Absolutely. And talking about controlling the run, let's flip onto the other side of the ball where there have been some lineup changes. Mm -hmm. The offensive line. We'll have uh, Alex Fontana and Saxlid both out. Tyrone Riley is in the game, first-year player at left tackle. We're also going to see uh, Jesse Gibbon bump into play center. Right. And Vorknall moving from his tackle position to guard. I think that's actually a great adjustment because Vorknall had a little bit of a struggle outside on that island where sometimes you could be a bit isolated when you're playing tackle. Putting him at guard is giving him a chance to get a double team. Sometimes him and Jesse Gibbon will get to go two-on-one on the mm -hmm. nose or the tackle. And I think that will give him an advantage, get him into the rhythm of the game and let him play to some of those strengths that he has. He's a big guy, long arms. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Riley steps into that spotlight, having two Americans on that offensive line. Uh, perhaps why you see Sean Thomas Burlington into the lineup mm -hmm. in place of Don Jackson at the running back spot. But talk to me a little bit about those adjustments on the offensive line for the Ticats. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. Once you're at a tackle spot, right? So Van Zyl's made his living there. It's more of like, it's more of an athletic spot, right? It's more one of those one-on-one, -on -one, kind of like the corner situation as a DB receiver matchup, right? Very, very similar. Those tackles, they need to be able to move laterally. Like Courtney said, it's on a complete island, right? So there's a lot of times in a game where you're gonna be one-on-one -on -one with their best pass rusher and you just have to hold up. As soon as you move inside to that guard spot and Travis's strength is being able to get his hands on somebody and move them, right? That's gonna help in the run game. You see Rev do it all the time. I mean, he's fantastic at it. That's why he's the best in the league. But to have Travis in there and use his strengths a little bit more, so less of the you know lateral movement and more of the, I'm gonna get my hands on you, I'm gonna pick you up, and I'm gonna walk you back. That should help, hopefully, in the run game, first of all, and then help with Gibby having to move inside. Jesse Gibbon being able to figure his, figure his, you know, kind of his groove out at center because it's a tough spot when you're sitting there trying to communicate and do all that kind of stuff and then snap the ball. And, and remember, taking that ball, snapping it between your legs and then being able to get that hand up and get it onto a all-star D tackle, like a Mike Rose that he's going to face, right? Something like that. It's not the easiest thing in the world after you've just made a bunch of calls, right? We're used to it. It's not easy to make a bunch of calls and then play as hard as you can. Have Travis there to help him out. I think they'll be, they'll be all right. Yeah, the Ticats offensive line is not getting any breaks this week. They're going <laughs> up against Derek Wiggin, Mike Rose. Uh, the defensive line for Calgary, they're very productive. They know how to get pressure on the quarterback. Last week, the Ticats gave up a whopping eight quarterback sacks. Now, there's a yeah. number of things that play into that. It's not always the offensive line. Sometimes the quarterback's holding the ball. Sometimes the receivers aren't open. There's a number of factors that come into play when we're talking about protection, when we're talking about sacks and whatnot. But there's no breaks. This is a big challenge. Yeah. Mike Rose last week, one tackle on defense, one on special teams, an interception, and a blocked field goal. This guy knows how to get it done. He's definitely a player to watch, number 41, for the Calgary Stampeders. They still have... Um, you know, a very veteran quarterback in Bo Levi Mitchell. 
Jake Mayer, who was backing him up, showed some some good in the game too. He went mm-hmm. four or five, had some completions. But I think Bo Levi, the, the gunslinger, the veteran, the Grey Cup champion, is always somebody who's a threat that the Ticats DBs are going to have to be thinking about when they step on the field. Talk to us a little about about the Calgary offense and and how they're always dangerous. Yeah, and the thing with Bo is, um, you know, he's going to try to get it downfield often. Right, he's gonna. He's a, he thinks he's a gunslinger, and he has shown that in the league. Right, he'll get out there, he'll try to get it downfield, and the biggest thing that the defense needs to do, and they played well, I thought last week against Saskatchewan. Right, they gave up a couple explosions, and that's what they'll have to limit. They'll have to limit these explosions because what ends up happening is when you have those, the whole bend but don't break defense only works if you're gonna blow a team out. Mm-hmm. If it's a close game and there's a bend but don't break, well, guess what's going to happen? Brett Lawther's going to kick five field goals, mm-hmm. right? And then your offense has to be doing that much more work. Your special teams has to be doing that much more work. So that bend but don't break thing that was last year, we have to start looking at when Bo starts trying to go downfield with it. Those can't just be knockdowns anymore. Mm-hmm. Those have to be interceptions. Those have to be turnovers. Because explosions and turnovers, that's what makes a game. That's what wins you a game, that's what loses you a game. Whoever has the most explosions, that's both run game, big runs, big passes, right? Passes over 30 yards, runs over 15. That changes the field position, which gets you points, and then obviously turnovers like we saw last week. That's going to hurt you in that game. And, and so what we're looking for is when Bo tries to go downfield, and he's shown this before, we need to get that ball back and get it to our offense yeah. in good field position. Defense definitely has to make them pay. The back end for the Ticats, starting the same five with Siante, Tunde, Roll, Alden, Darby, um, and Richard Leonard on mm-hmm. that back end, going up against uh, Sin- Richie Sindani, the, the young Canadian who's stepping up. He had a big game leading receiver mm-hmm. for Calgary Stampeders last week. But there's a guy who was quiet, Kamar Jordan, somebody you definitely have to have on the game plan. Big body, plays in the slot, capable of making plays down the field, in the middle, in the mix going to be somebody you have to pay attention to um let's just talk about the numbers a little bit last week it was a 30 to 27 game Renee Paradez one of the best kickers of our generation yeah. as clutch as they get but it was 40 35 40 seconds left in the game when he hit a game-winning field goal for them um before that Bo Levi was about 60 percent through for just under 200 yards it wasn't necessarily off the charts um, same thing for the Ticats. Dane had 222 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. But there was one explosive play to Stephen Dunbar, 71-yard reception. I think if the Ticats are able to find some of those chinks in the armor and get a big play early on, that momentum is something that can carry forwards in this game. Because there was that lack of a rushing attack from the Ticats, mm-hmm. they didn't even have 30 yards on the ground. Yeah. I think that allowed Sask to sit back and prevent some of those deeper plays. But... Early on, if they can get this Calgary defense on their toes or on their heels, I should say, right. maybe you can open up and have a few more of those explosive plays. Braylon Addison, eight receptions. They know that they, he wants to get the ball. We have to keep feeding him mm-hmm. if the Ticats are going to have a chance to win. What are some of the things you're looking for from the Ticats offense going into this one? Yeah, if the Ticats offense, what they have to do is they just have to stop shooting themselves in the foot, right? The couple turnovers, right? They had three fumbles, two interceptions. That's tough, right? That's tough to come back from that first fumble early on in that first quarter at the beginning of the game, especially on an away game. That's going to hurt you. So what you got to really focus on is 
just kind of, like I said last week, we, they got to get out there and they got to kind of do what they do, right? Just march down the field, take what's there, don't put that ball at risk, and just kind of try to start establishing that run game a little bit more. Because like you said, Saskatchewan could just sit back, let their D-line up there, rush four, get home, because the offensive line was struggling. So in order to get that run game going, that's going to open up the pass game. That's going to allow them to get some of those explosions. But that's what they need to do. They need to protect the ball. Like I said, turnovers are going to kill you. So you need to protect the ball. You need to do what you do. Just take what's available for you, right? You see it all the time in this league. That's what makes the quarterbacks great ones. That's what makes the offenses great ones. Is just take what's available, mm -hmm. right? Break a tackle or two. That turns into explosion for you. That changes the field position for you. And then you get a little bit of rhythm. When you have something bad happen early on, like the Saskatchewan game, that's a little tougher to come back from. Right. So talking about some of the key players and key matchups mm -hmm. in this one, Somebody that I've got circled on that Calgary roster is Kadeem Carey. Yeah. He had 90 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns, 60 rushing on the ground. He also caught 30 uh, receiving. So for the Ticats defense, they've been known for having the best rush D in the league in 2021. Last week, they gave up 75 yards on 24 attempts on the ground. So still up to their status quo from the previous season. But if you take out the 10 rushes, from Cody Fajardo. Cody Fajardo had 42 yards on the ground. They actually only gave up 33 yards on 14 rushes, which is just over two yards of carry, which is phenomenal. Right. I think this illuminates two things. One, they have what it takes to stop Kadeem Carey if they're paying attention to the run game and they want to shut that down. But two, there's a need to stop the quarterback from escaping and getting yards with his feet on the ground, extending drives, extending plays, and then scrambling to get receivers more time to get open. So there's two things here. I think you need to focus on that battle between Kadeem Carey and the Canadian Sean Thomas Erlington. Which running back is going to have a bigger impact in the game? Mm -hmm. Blocking, running, and receiving the ball. And then also, which team is going to be able to shut down that opposing running back right. as that triple threat? Are you able to blitz and confuse them in, in protections? Are you able to uh, shut down those rush lanes? Are you able to identify that running back when he leaks out as that check down so the quarterback doesn't always have that escape valve? I think last week that was something that Ticats didn't do as well as they want to. Mm -hmm. This week, I know that they're going to have Kadeem Carey circled on that game plan. Yeah, and absolutely, you're right. Kadeem Carey, Kadeem Carey is the kind of guy that makes that offense roll, right? Like we just said with the Ticats offense, it's, it's no secret that football is if you establish the run, and you are able to do that, it loosens up that defense. They now have to start adding people to the box. They have to now start playing a little bit more man on the back end, give these DBs more room to cover, right? As soon as you, that run is stopped, which I believe this Ticats defense will do again, and that's going to be a big emphasis point is to stop Kadeem Carey. But then, like you also said, the other matchup I'm looking at is the Kamar Jordan, mm -hmm. right? Kamar Jordan did have a quiet quiet week one right not what we're used to seeing from him but you look at film and you look at how long he is how fast he can how fast he can get rolling how quick he can get in and out of his breaks he's kind of a complete receiver right I and i would watch i would watch him on film and i mean he is he is the primary target almost every pass play 
It's just if they're throwing it to him or not. And he makes some plays. So I think between Kadeem Carey and Kamar Jordan, that Ticaz defense is going to have both of them circle and say, you know what, we got to stop these guys, make them dribble left-handed, right? Let these other guys kind of see if they can beat us and then really slow these two down so that we can be able to, you know, kind of stifle them like they tried to do against Sask and I thought did well. Yeah, and Alden Darby will have that task going up against um, Kamar Jordan in the slot. Now he moves around. He might be to the field side. You might see him lined up against Cam Kelly at that third receiver spot. But count on Calgary to get him the ball and get him the ball often. Mm -hmm. Another matchup, we alluded to it earlier, but Mike Rose versus both Jesse Gibbon and Travis Vorknall. I think that inside that guard center going up against a D tackle like Mike Rose, who's somebody who's athletic, he's aggressive, high motor, he can hurt you in the pocket, he's gonna chase you down to the sidelines. He's gonna demand 57 plus three, all 60 minutes. And you know in the CFL, anything can happen in those last three minutes. That's why they say it's 57 plus three. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to strap on your hard hat Bring some extra Gatorade. They're going to demand every ounce of energy you got to stop this guy. I think he's at a point in his career, Mike Rose, where he wants to prove it to the league that he is everything that his teammates know he is. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a great one to watch, especially given the trends heading into this one. He's coming off a big game. O-line looking for redemption. I think that's a, a great one to watch. So, Mike, talk to us a little bit about some of the key storylines that you're paying attention to in this one. Uh, what do you have your eye on? Yeah, and, and definitely, like I had talked about before, the field position battle. I feel like week one with Saskatchewan, that's kind of where it hurt us the most, right? It was that bend but don't break defense a little bit. It was the turnovers early, and then it was just the field goals. The field goals ended up killing us. And when it's a close game like that with a good opponent, like Saskatchewan was, like Calgary is going to be, you start looking at all three phases. So, yes, week one, maybe the offense was struggling, right? But in order to keep that game close, the defense and special teams can pick them up. We always talk about there's three phases in the game. If you only win one phase, you're in for a really long night, right? If you're winning two phases, then your chances are you're gonna win, right? You'll be able to help out whatever side is struggling, whether it's special teams, defense, offense, and that's gonna be different every single game, right? When you win all three phases, that's when you see those blowouts, right? Like the BC uh, Edmonton game. When they're winning all three phases, those are those type of games. So what I'm looking for is when one of those phases, defense, offense, special teams, if they're struggling, we have to see the other two pick them up and win that field position battle. Because like I said, without those turnovers, couples, explosive plays, right? We're right in that SAS game. And we have a chance to win that. And that's gonna be this Calgary team because they are good on all three phases. So we have to beat them at their game, beat them at those phases and just allow the team to pick each other up. Yeah, I thought the Ticat special teams unit, they earned their paycheck last week. You know, Simon Larrier came in, punted the ball nine times, did well. Coverage units did well. Return game set them up here and there. Damagala went two out of three. Mm -hmm. You'd love to see him be perfect, but you know what? I thought he gave him a chance for the most part. So it'll be interesting to see how special teams shows up in this game. Key storyline that I'm paying attention to is the offensive game plan for the Ticats. In order to protect the protection, what is Tommy Condell going to do? I think it's going to be key to use the things that have worked, meaning get the defense running east and west, 
and then you slice them up down the middle. Get the ball out quick so that Dane's not sitting in the pocket for too long. Use some uh, misdirection. Show them a little bit of this and then put the ball over there. Other things to just keep the defense uneasy so they can't pin their ears back, send the house, put pressure on Dane, and then make it tough for him to complete the ball down the field. I think if he's getting the ball out of his hands, screens, swing passes, quick game, those things will help him build his confidence. It will help him develop a rhythm. The receivers get more touches, and then you let those playmakers make plays. You don't necessarily have to throw the ball 70 yards to get a 70-yard completion. Right. As we saw, maybe you throw the ball 15 yards in the air, and you allow that guy to earn his check and move the chains down the field a little bit further. So I'm interested to see if the game plan evolves. I'm sure it will, but maybe there's more of the quick stuff. Maybe there's a more of getting the ball out of Dane's hand so that he can get into a rhythm so this offense could get rolling. If that happens, this one will be very interesting. Yeah, and, and you said it perfectly, right? It's, it's taking what's there, right? It's Dane getting that ball out quick. Look to see if you have that shot, right? Your first read, check if you have the shot. As soon as you don't, give it to some of your playmakers' hands, right? Give it to a Tim White underneath. Give it to a Sean Thomas Erlington on that check down. All he's got to do is make one guy miss, and now you're moving the chains, right? And everything comes back. It's that field position battle. It's that offense taking what's there. And I am interested to see, like you said, with Tommy Condell trying to figure out how to protect this offensive line until they get into the rhythm, right? A lot of moving pieces, especially this game as well. Um, are they going to bring extra guys in, right? Are we going to see Jake Burt, Felix, right? Are we going to see these guys add in? Are they, we going to see a little more two back, right? Get, get these guys some help, right? Get, that, get Dane some easy reads, one, two, three, get the ball out of his hands, see what we can do. I'm really looking forward to see how they're going to adjust because, again, let's not panic, right? Let's not panic. It's, it's nice and early. It's nice and early. And as we both know, what ends up happening in this is just what leads you to being able to stack some wins, stack some positive things on top of each other so that once we get down the road into the later parts of the season and into playoffs, you're gelling, you're rolling. The nice thing is, is a lot of people on this Ticats team are getting some reps early on. Oh yeah, one guy I'm excited to see is Lawrence Woods. Mm -hmm. Returned uh, one for a touchdown in the preseason. Maybe he's the spark plug. Who knows? The opportunities are endless. Whoever wants to step up, write their name in history. Now is the best time to do it. This is the Hall of Fame week. Hey, quickly, over under on half of a point, okay? Sean Thomas Erlington hurdles. Do we see <laughs> more or an un over or uh, under half of a hurdle half from Sean Thomas Erlington in this game? And you know what's funny is that I was <laughs> I was actually thinking about this day. There's a trend going on in the CFL right now with hurdles. If you've been watching any of the games, it's just hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. I'm gonna say I would pick over even if you gave me one and a half. But okay. I'll say over at the point five. Yeah, absolutely. That's his move. He's good at it. There you go. I can't wait to see it. Well, a kickoff is at 6:30 p.m. Calgary is visiting the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the season opener here at Tim Hortons Field. RJ Broadhead, Luke Tasker have the call for you. And an hour before that, you can catch the pregame here on the Ticats Audio Network. That's listen.ticats.ca or anywhere that you can tune in in the local area or on the radio and catch these guys live. Listen, I'm Courtney Steven. This is my partner, Mike Daly. We thank you for spending your time with us, and we hope to talk to you again after the game. Take care. The Canadian Football Hall of Fame induction weekend coverage on the Thai Cats Audio Network.